Amen. Amen. Look at, look at God this morning. Um, as we are going into it, we'll continue our, our systematic theology as we are going into the book of Romans, uh, continuing chapter 9. That's chapter 9. And so I'm going to read again that what was read earlier. And it says, What then shall we say? That the Gentiles who did not pursue righteousness have obtained it, a righteousness that is by faith, but the people of Israel who pursued the law as the way of righteousness have not attained their goal? Why not? Because they pursued it not by faith, but as if it were by works. They stumbled over the stumbling stone as it is written. See, I lay it in Zion, a stone that causes people to stumble, and a rock that makes them fall. And the one who believes in him will never be put to shame. Amen? Amen. So as we're continuing... Uh, the, the, our, our systematic theology, I want to share with you all, um, recapping last week, Dr. Dave Nystrom, um, he pointed out some things to us, and so we want to kind of uh, go through those, and we see that we were looking at Rome, uh, Romans 9, 16-29, and his title was Blame, Choosing, Trusting. Uh, Paul is now focusing on redemption, and we laid out, he laid out uh, the scriptures for us, uh, verses, uh, chapters 1-3, through three, who needs to be redeemed, 4-6, through six, results of the benefits of redemption, and in chapter 7 through 11, objection to God's redeeming, um, and some of those points where it encourages sin, as we see that sometimes, uh, okay, God, if, you're, if you are allowing us to, if you're giving us grace, then we should sin more. And Paul is like, no, that's not, you're, you're missing it. And then they would say, well, it's not fair. Why is God holding us accountable when it's not our fault? We're, like, we, we were sinners, and so that's all we know how to do. And Paul is saying, but this is the, that it is fair. God is right in his justification. God is right in his judgment because he's God. Um, and then it talks about what about the Jews? Because we looked at some of the central themes about uh, our text that we see that the Jews were the central, uh, the central theme of scripture. It was all about them. God's chosen people, God's holy people. So when we think about uh, the scripture and we think about what, who God is, uh, the, the Jews were the central theme. God chose them, selected them, right, to be God's holy people. So then there was a couple, uh, uh, Pastor Dave shared eight truths in the background. One, we are made in the image of God. Two, we are guilty, all of us. He made sure that he put that image, not just me, all of us are guilty. Sometimes we do turn to repentance. Sometimes we need to hit rock bottom. And he shared a story of someone who had hit rock bottom. And there's sometimes rock bottom spots are not so obvious. And I love this part right here. Sometimes rock bottom is what the world calls success. Sometimes, right, rock bottom is what the world calls success. And I had put this in there just thinking we, we can gain the world and lose our soul. So, but we can gain the world successfully, right? The world will look at us and say, look what you have. Look at all the things that you possess. But truthfully, we're losing. Six, we have the capacity to love and value the wrong things. We have the capacity to love and value the wrong things. I know throughout the week, I'm constantly, as I write my list, and thinking about the things, and sometimes even just scrolling on social media, you can begin to think, like, what am I doing? There's so much to be done. There's so, much, so many people to love on, so much community uh, work that needs to be done. What am I doing? So we have the capacity to love and value the wrong things. And we have to be careful because the enemy will use those things that we value and that we trust that are good things. Think about that. There may be things that are good, 
There may be things that you are doing that are good things, but they're not the best things. And they're not the best things for you. Um, and then we see at point number seven, the Israelites were, uh, were chosen for a purpose. And then number eight, God has mercy on who he wishes. God is free to choose. Uh, God, and then we're looking at God chooses to save the Gentiles, but what about the Jews? They were focused on the wrong thing. Uh, we look at, uh, looking at the scripture, we're going to get into this. We, again, it wasn't fair. Why? Because the Jews were God's people. It shouldn't be about anybody else. It's just about the Jews. But then we, we learn in scripture that everything depends on God's mercy. And I'm so glad that everything depends on God and not us or not the Jews or not creation. It depends on God's mercy. People who have rejected me, I will call them out people. Think about that for a moment. God has chosen people, us Gentiles, people who are not his people, as his people. It's amazing. I don't know about that. That's a great place to be in. Think about what, what, who you were before God called you. Rebellious by nature. You didn't want God in your life. But God chose you and made you his people. It's a beautiful thing. Uh, the major thing that was God, that uh, God was, the, the Jews, the God thing, the major thing was God, uh, that the Jews were the focal point. However, Genesis 12, 3 says this, I will bless those who bless you, and those who curse you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So there becomes a minor thing that God is concerned for who? All people, not just the Jews. So this goes back to all the way to Genesis, the beginning. Right, so from the very beginning, God has been making it clear that he's going to save not just the Jews, but all people, but he's going to save all people through the Jews. I don't think y'all hear me, but okay. God's uh, fear is not our fear. And I put in parentheses, I don't know about you, uh, maybe you do remember this commercial, but anybody remember the McDonald's commercial where there was a big brother and uh, he was giving his little sister some french fries and he was like, one for you, one for me. Two for you, two for me. Three for you, and he took three fries. And he was cheating his sister out of these fries. But to him, it was fair, right? Three fries for you, totally. And I'm going to grab three additional fries for me. We tend to do that. That's how we tend to operate. We will make things that, well, it's right. That's three fries, right, Sister Stephanie? I get, she has three fries? I took three fries. She has four now, I'm going to take four. And then don't forget I'm the big brother. She don't eat all them fries. So then we start to justify, or justify why we do the things that we do. And that's a dangerous place to be. How do I know? Because I've been there. Justifying. Justifying. Like, well, well, if, you know, Nate, well, you should, you know, think about this. Because if God didn't want you to do it, he wouldn't allow it to happen. Duh. And we can get confused if we're not sticking to scripture, if we're not allowing God to be the focal point. We can get focused on ourselves as the big brother. One fry for you, one fry for me. Two fries for you, two fries for me. And we start to take advantage of the situation. It's a cold place. And so that's why we need Jesus. See, I, I think a lot of people don't understand like we when we really sit down and take time to reflect and to spend time with God. We begin to see that we really, really, really need him. Right? Just take a moment right now. Think about everything that is going on in the world. 
Think about the good people that are doing good things, whatever they may be, but look at the results. We have good people, right? Meaning whatever that may mean in your mind. Good people doing these good things, but look at the condition of the world. Clearly, something is not going right. Clearly, we need someone greater, someone more powerful, someone more just to deal with us. And I started to think about myself like I couldn't help as a supervisor, right? Sometimes there were, I would be conflicted. Well, I have the authority to do this. But scripture tells me to work as if I'm working for the Lord. I have the ability to leave early, Sister Stephanie, and still be compensated. But the Spirit says, you're still on God's time. So I'm conflicted. Everybody else is leaving. Everyone else is not completing their projects. But God reminds me, Nathan, you have a relationship with me. You have a higher calling. You have a higher purpose. It's not about the other folks. And if we look at, 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 at scripture, right, this has everything we, we're talking about today. Think about the Jews. They wanted what everybody else wanted. They wanted to live like everyone else. And God has made it very clear from the beginning, that's dangerous. You see what is happening in, in these foreign places, these foreign, foreign territories. I want to be your God. I want to lead you. I want to correct you. Right? I want to give you the, the, the best way to live. But Israel, right? The Jews, we want to do our own thing. And so we're not different. Just like the Jews, we want to do our own thing. God, I know what you want me to do, but I don't feel like doing that. I think I have a better way. And there's a proverb that says, there is a way that seems right unto man, but leads to death. So that means that you can actually like, be on this path that you've designed. It looks really good. It looks everything that you want it to be, and it'd be the wrong way. And you can even be blessed along the way. See, we can even forget that God is not the only one who blesses. The enemy blesses too. He just doesn't tell you what's attached to that blessing. That really is a curse. So it may look good. You're like, yeah, I got this. I got, even if it's, I think about certain jobs that I was about to take. Like, it's a good job. Making a great impact, doing positive things. But when I was getting down to the very nitty gritty, when I was getting down to the foundation, God was showing me, oh, you're not going to be able to spend time with your family. Oh, you're not going to be focused on the right things. Oh, you're not going to be able to preach. Oh, you can't teach Bible study. Oh, you... And so looking at these things, I would be doing good things. But God's focused on what am, how am I blessing? How am I using my gifts and talents for the kingdom? That's what God, life is about. Right? It's about us glorifying God. So in Genesis 12, 3, we see that God uh, tells Abram that I'm going to bless those who bless you and curse those who curse you. I'm so glad that sometimes, too, this is also an indicator that sometimes we don't have to fight our battles. Right? And this is not to say that you don't stand up for yourself. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is that God has the final say-so. There's many times in my, in my job, my previous employment, where um, I was wronged. Right? I was wronged. 
And there was times where I wanted to fight back. I wanted to send that email. I even I had a, a draft of emails, Daniel, that I didn't send. Emails I typed up was like, per our conversation, you said that. However, when I, re right, I wanted to go there. Are you going to send the message to me? Like, okay, you don't know who you're dealing with. Okay, let me get my correspondence out. Actually, that was wrong. That was false because on July 17th at 3 p.m., you actually said this, right? And I was in this office and you were. So we can start to do things that, right, we want to get even. So I drafted these emails. Drafted them. And as I was about to send, send them, God was like, you sure about that? You sure about that? And my flesh was like, yes, I'm sure. Don't let them talk to me like that. Who do I think they are? And I remember praying on it and thinking about the scripture that says, vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. I shall repay. But I'm like, I don't want this to take too long sometimes. I want them to feel it now. Right? Like, I want them to feel my wrath. And I'm so glad that I never hit sin. But now, like, no longer that I don't work there anymore. If they check my old emails and see all those drafts, they can see I could have, I could have went there. So they all could see that it was, I was gracious because of who I served, the God that I served. So we started looking at this, getting it to, to, the, uh, to the ninth chapter, the 30, uh, 30th verse through the 33rd verse. And we look at what then shall we say? And as I was looking at this text, I was reminded of like how awesome and I love how Paul just, how he responds, right? Because this question is asked and our title today is question asked, question asked, question answered, right? Question asked, question answered. So another thing that uh, before we get specifically into the text, I want to encourage, I was encouraged with the text as I was sitting there and what I like to do kind of give you insight into how I prepare right a lot of meditation praying and reading the scripture just reading it leaving it alone reading it going back to it okay God and Lord what do you want me to say right because there's been times where I have typed up Sister Jones a whole sermon like I oh this is gonna be fire I'm about to drop it with this and when I say this they're gonna be like hallelujah and I'm gonna hit it with this and God was like uh-uh excuse me can you uh, let me in there? <laughs> I was like, ooh, I didn't. I just went straight to it. I didn't pray about it. I just said, I'm going to give them this fire, right, based on my effort. And God was like, it's not, it don't work like that. It, it doesn't work like that. So I had to um, wrestle with the text, right? And I remember Poku, um, Minister Poku would always tell me to wrestle with the text to wrestle with the enigmas of scripture. And at 17, 18, I'm like, I ain't got time to be wrestling. This is my headache. I got, I, I got a headache. Like, I don't, I want to just go on. But I'm so glad that I would listen because he's like, you, there's nothing like wrestling with scripture. There's nothing like meditating on scripture, allowing it to flow and get to really get into you. See, a lot of times we can get into the word, but we don't allow the word to get into us. So Poku would tell me to wrestle with it, right? As, as Jacob who wrestled with God, right? He was like, I'm not letting you go until you bless me. So when we look at scripture, we should be wrestling with it. And I know sometimes 
I was just telling my wife the other day, I said, I couldn't sleep the other night. I said, I was about to turn on the, the Bible app, and, you know, because usually when I turn on scripture, all of a sudden I'm just sleepy. When it's time to study, you know, this is, oh, let me get comfortable, right? So anybody else, is that just me, right? When it's, when it's time to study God's word, all of a sudden, <sighs> so I was like, I had the scripture, I was like, it was like 3 o'clock in the morning, 4 o'clock, and I'm like, I cannot sleep. And so I was like, I should turn on the Bible app. And I got convicted. I was like, okay, God, no, I ain't going to do that. That's just wrong. I'm, sitting, I'm pretty much telling God I'm going to turn on the app so I can go to sleep. Not so I can get fed, not so that he can speak to me, but so that he can soothe me to go to sleep. So I was like, I'm not going to do that. So she said, what you do? I just said, I stayed up. I stayed up, and then just he finally allowed me to go to sleep. And now that I think about it, he probably was trying to tell me something, but I was being sleepy. See, again, the flesh, remember, like, this has everything to do with today, right? Remember, think about this. Remember, goes back to, remember Jesus was telling his disciples to stay up? And what happened? They kept falling asleep. He like, I'm going to go pray y'all watch, you know, make sure we good around here. He come back. Hey, I, I need you to stay up. Like, okay. Like some of y'all right now at church, I see y'all. I'm like, I didn't ask you nothing. That's how I can tell when people are going to sleep in church. They just see. Nobody asks you anything. But in scripture, right? When we think about the text, when we think about sometimes the, the word, uh, when we think about the word, it shouldn't put us to sleep. It should encourage us. It should inspire us. It should convict us, right? It shouldn't compel us. And so I want us to be encouraged to wrestle with the text. So that's what I do before we get into, before I get into the preaching, before I get into it, I wrestle with it. Read it. Before I jump into any commentary of man, I, Lord, speak to me directly. I don't want to depend on other men. I want to know, what are you saying? What were you saying then? What were you saying now? What are, what are you saying to me? <clears throat> so when I thought about this, I was like, okay, um, wrestling with the text, and I couldn't stop to think about how pastor would say, right, pastor would say, give the Holy Spirit a half a chance. Give the Holy Spirit a half a chance. So we have to submit and allow God, not just, again, don't just get into the word, allow God's word to get into you. And so we look at the text today, we see that Paul was addressing this issue of redemption, of how God was choosing to save some people. And that may sound harsh to us, even today, like, only some of us? Yes, God chooses whom he saves. And it's, and it's something that's hard and difficult to, to deal with because we're thinking from our perspective, our human perspective, our unfair perspective, one fry, two fry. How could this just and holy God only save some people? And Paul tells them clearly, it's because he's God. He has the right to do as he wills. Why? On the basis of him being God alone and everything that he does is just and fair. But it's hard. That's a hard pill to swallow. Right? If I'm honest, thinking about you, myself, but God, you only are going to, you're allowing some to be saved? This is what the scripture says. And I started to think about what Wes said. And Wes was telling us last, two, two weeks ago when he preaches that um, too often what we do is we make ourselves central of text. 
we make ourselves the main thing. So what then happens is, now God's unfair. Why? Because it's not about God, it's about us. So as we look at this, at this text today, I was reminded uh, in 2017 when God gave me this quote that says, as much as it's about you, it's not about you. And so I shared this text within my field of work and expanded learning, and it caught like a wildfire. Everybody's Nate, such a great text. Yes, it's about me, but it's not about me. It's about these kids, right? And I was just sitting here like, this is, it was God, though, right? God gave me this word. Nathan, as much as it's about you, it's not about you. Why? Because at this time, I was becoming like the Jews, right? Making it about me. And God was saying, yes, Nathan, it is about you, but it's not. It's about you in the sense that I have blessed you, I have called you, I have allowed you to be born into this world, but it is ultimately not about you, it's about me. And so everything that you do here on this earth should actually point people to me. And the Jews have missed this point. I want to uh, read a statement that challenged me. I want to read something that challenged me, y'all. It says, if the God of Romans chapter 9 exists, then it should have effect in your life. Romans chapter 9 should amaze or keep us amazed at our salvation. This challenged me. This convicted me. But this also encouraged me that if the God of chapter 9 exists, something should be moving in us. Why? Because all throughout this text, God is clearly saying, and Paul is making this argument that some will be saved. So therefore, if you are part of some, of, uh, a part of some you have something to be thankful for. So as much as it was like, ah, only some I said, I'm some. Like, I don't think we think about that sometimes. You are some. Nathan, you are some of the people that God is saving. So if this God of chapter 9 is real, you should be amazed at the salvation because not all will be saved. See, sometimes the reason we don't get excited is because we look at the gospel as a burden instead of a privilege. We look at scripture and we say, man, I, I got to do this. Right? I have to do that. Instead of I get to, I get to pray, I get to read scripture, I get to preach God's word, I get to love on my neighbor, I get to share some of my blessings. It's your perspective. So we look at this and it says that, when I, I thought about that, I said, wow, I am amazed. Because I thought about when I was younger, when I first got saved, and I woke with the Lord, it was exciting. Y'all remember that? Remember when you first got saved? Nobody could tell you nothing. Oh, it's me and Jesus. It's me and the Lord. We're good. Right? You were excited about it. And in that excitement, you also told people about it. Yeah, you know, I just got saved, you know. I'm out here saved. You know, Jesus did it. Yeah, he did. He saved me. <laughs> you know, you were, you were excited about it. You were so excited that you had to tell someone. But then somehow, if you're like me, over the years, your excitement dwindled. You weren't as excitement, excited, as passionate as you once were. You stopped telling folks. Because you didn't want them to know that you was even a believer. Because you're like, oh, I, just, I just stole them staples from the, from the job. I can't be. I can't be telling them I'm a believer. 
because they're going to they judge me. Instead of telling them the freedom, not, no, first of all, let me correct this. I'm not saying go steal some stables, because Nate said you have the freedom to steal stables on the job. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is there is freedom in Christ. So we should be uh, 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 celebrating and amazed at this salvation. We can look around at the world and get, get distracted at the main point of life again, which is what? Glorifying God. Why? Because the world is full of distractions. The world is full of distractions. Right? My eagles are playing right now. <laughs> My eagles are playing right now, Cyrus. And I'm here. I was conflicted last night like, <clears throat> I don't feel it. So, Eric, you look like you can preach. Right? I started thinking about the flesh. I started thinking about distractions. Man, my eagles, we barely made it. I know Wes probably, he probably, I'm probably jealous of Wes right now. He's probably watching the game. Right? But when I started to think about this, it was like football. Right? And this is no shots at anybody because I know, right? And this is what I do know. I do know that God, that all of us are worshipers. God, like, it is in us. Like, I don't care, like, who you are, worship is in you. How do I know? Because if I say, like, um, what's your favorite sports team, right? Some of y'all, you're going to yell at your team, right? You represent your team. If I say, you know, well, what's your favorite uh, uh, a car, or your favorite hairstyle, or your favorite, and you, be, you will worship these things, right? What's, the fa your, what's your favorite nail shop? you like, oh, I go to, you know, because she, see, Zach tail nails, because the person, they got this, and she does this, she knows exactly what I like. We begin to worship naturally. That's who we are. It's in us. But unfortunately, we begin to, we can begin to wor uh, worship the wrong things. So if we look at Romans 9, 30 through 33, we see that um, God is reminding us, reminding City Church to, all, to also be amazed, to be amazed at God, the salvation that God is presenting to us. We should be amazed at the salvation, like when we were first saved. Because this is the reality. God didn't change the same, same God who saved you at X date. It's still the same God today. So God, so some people always tell me like, man, how do you, like you, you get, you get so excited, you know, like you can dance to gospel music, you can do, why not? I dance with the world, right? The temptations come on, I can do that, right? But when all of a sudden, when we get in front, face with God, we gotta, we, you know, we, we, we want to hide our praise, hide our worship. I would challenge you. I would think that the world needs to see us amazed at God. Yeah. Dancing and praising like David praised. Yeah. Who danced out of his clothes. Yeah. Because God was that good. Yeah. I want to be like David. Yeah. And it takes us to look at this scripture to know that God is saving us. So as we look at this, what then shall we say? That the Gentiles who did not pursue righteousness have attained it. And righteousness is by what? Faith. But the people of Israel who pursued the law as a way of righteousness have not attained it. We look at this at this first text. Both the Jews and the Gentiles, going back to verse 24, and it says what? Even us, whom he also called, not only the Jews, but also the Gentiles. Remember, Paul is making an argument. This is not just about the Jews. 
It's the Jews, but also the Gentiles. So in 924, he says, even us whom also called, not only from the Jews, but also from the Gentiles. Paul starts by here by asking the question. What should we have said to everything that has been said, right? From verses 9, from verses 1, all the way to 29, all the things that have been said. What then shall we say? That the Jews who were pursued by, uh, the, the Gentiles who pursued by faith have received righteousness? But the people, the Israelites, right? The people of Israel were chasing the law, have not attained it, have not attained their goal. What is their goal? Their goal was righteousness. But they couldn't attain it because they were trying to do it through their own personal acts. Think about this for a moment. Many of us still are living like that. It's, it, how do I know? Because sometimes I have to remind myself. Nathan, it's not about you. It's about what Jesus did. And it says this right here in the text. That the Gentiles who did not pursue righteousness attain righteousness through their faith. This is not also, Paul is not, is not saying that all Gentiles are saved, right? That all Gentiles are saved, period. But the ones who did believe, who did, did trust Christ, they're, now they're righteous. Now they're justified. Now they're saved. Why? Because of their faith. Then Paul addresses the Israel who pursued the law. People who follow the law still end up with the short end of the stick. You can do all the things. I did the acts. Okay, I burnt this many incense. I did these different things. And God's like, those are, that's, that's cool. But you still don't know me. Yeah. You're still trying to work your way up here. Yeah. You can't. Like, when we forget, like, Jesus coming is the whole reason. Right? He gives us access to the Father. Jesus Christ gives us access to the Father. So any attempt on our own leaves us with the short end of the stick. We still fall short of God's glory. Why? Because we're trying to do it by our own human acts. And this is the thing about our human acts, they only look good to us. <laughs> they only look good to you. God's like that. Your righteousness, what did he say? Your righteousness is that of a filthy rag. I know it hurts our feelings, right? You're like, but I studied hard. I did this. This was pretty righteous. This was pretty awesome. It's that of a filthy rag in comparison to what? To a holy, just, amazing God. You can't work your way to it. We learned from these passages today that it's not based on human effort, rather based on our faith. Our human effort only leads to shortcomings when it comes to God. There is no boasting before God. Paul, the same author, says that human credentials mean nothing in comparison to the works of Christ. Think about that. But yet, we still try and try and try to work our way in front of God and still never make it. Which is why Jesus came to earth. This also should encourage us and remind us how gracious God is. He doesn't even want you to try. He's like, I know you can. I love you so much. Look, it's cute. You can't do it. Right? It's, that's, that's great. I, I love what you it's, it's not going to work. Because it's still flawed. You need someone perfect. Yeah. And the only perfect person to do that is Christ. Yeah, yeah, yeah. God does not need our egotistical, egotistical acts to be righteous. This is a reminder that we are 
not all God's children. I remember that when we look at this, this text, I was, I was thinking about, I think I was like 18. And I remember there was someone who meant well, right? They wanted to say the nice thing, like, well, you know, can't we just get along? We're all God's children. And I remember at 18, I was like, I had just read 1 John 3.10. I'm like, uh-uh. <laughs> Scriptures say that some of y'all are kids of the devil. Right? People like, mate, Debbie Downer, right? Like, got to be that guy. But this is the reality that we're all God's creation, but we're not all his children. We are all God's creation, but we're not all his children. 1 John 3.10 says, some of us are children of the devil. I think I must have been in apologetics at the time. Boku, we were like, I'm probably ready to slay. Like, uh-uh, that's false. But the point that the, the truth remains is that some of the world, and this is also, again, go looking at the text, this should encourage us to share our faith. Because some of the world is passing away if they don't have our Savior, who is Jesus the Christ. Who, and I get it, right? It's, it can be offensive. If we're dealing with other religions, other backgrounds, other cultures, our truth can be offensive to folks. But Jesus himself said that no one comes to the Father except through me. Now this is the thing. This is what I love about Scripture as well. Nathan, it's not about you. So now you can move out of the way. You can share the truth and love. You can share that and know that it's, I have your best interests at hand. And it, I, I'm so compelled to share with you. But ultimately, they do have to make the decision. They ultimately have to make the decision. And I know it can be tough. Verse 32. Why not? Because they pursued it not by faith, but as if it were by works. They stumbled over, they stumbled over the stumbling stone. As it is written... See, I lay in Zion a stone that causes people to stumble and a rock that makes them fall. And the one who believes in him will never be put to shame. I was inspired. I was moved. I was reminded that God is not activated by our emotions. Sometimes, right, we feel like if I just cry enough or if I just shout enough, if I just sing enough, God says, I'm really activated by your faith, by your belief in me. That's what moves God. If you want to move God, you want to move that situation, you have to have what? Faith. It's not money, right? You can't donate it away. Like if I just, maybe if I just give some more money, and that's good, right? City Church, we, we know it's cold in here right now. We can use that. But the point is, that's not how God has moved. That's for us. God is moved by faith. This is why scripture says, if you have the faith as small as a what? Mustard seed, you can move mountains. Faith is small as a mustard seed. It's very small. And so I'm so glad. He didn't say you have to have big faith. You have to do big things. Just have a little faith. I'm so glad I serve a guy says, just request. That's all he was requesting, requesting from us. It's just a little faith. You just have a little faith, Nathan. Then, then watch what I do. But it's the faith. This is why we see that, what, the Israel, they didn't pursue it by faith. They pursued it by works. They wanted to become righteous by what they were doing. Look at me. 
Look at how I'm dressed. Look at my hair. Look at my clothes. Right? Look how, I, look how articulate I am. Look how I speak. And from the beginning, God is saying, that's not it. That is not it. I really want this. I want your heart. That's what I want. Because it's easy to say the right things. That's why scripture says what? These people honor me with their mouth. But what? They honor me with their mouth, but their heart is far from me. You may, Lord, I love you. But your actions say something different. So we can say the right things, but God wants this, our heart. And so the Jews were going about getting closer to God the wrong way. They never activated the faith button. The faith in what? And we're going to get into that. Faith in what, though? It's one thing to have faith, but what are we putting our faith and our hope in? So we start looking at faith. No faith, no salvation. No faith, no salvation. See, I was thinking about that text, and I was like, well, Lord, so it's really boiling down to the, the, the Israelites, right? The, the Jews not believing? Absolutely. I want my people to trust me, to believe in me, to have faith in me. But what do we put our faith in? We have to put our faith in Christ. So if we look back, going back to the text, what does the text say? That they stumbled over the stumbling stone. Who is the stumbling stone? Christ. If we look at scripture, we look, look at Isaiah 8, 14. A stone that causes men to stumble and a rock that makes them fall. Isaiah 28, 16. And this was in reference to what? The coming Messiah. See, I lay a stone in Zion, a tested stone, a precious cornerstone, a sure foundation. What is this in reference to? Christ. Us putting our faith in Christ. He's been telling the Jews. He's been telling. There's, there's someone who's coming. And, and you're going to have to put your faith. You're going to have to put your trust in this sure, this precious stone, Christ Jesus. But we continue to do what? We keep trying to work it out. We keep trying to do it on our own. So from the very beginning, from the very beginning, let's even go to our Uncle Adam, right? Uncle Adam, Auntie, Auntie Eve, right? What happened? They sinned and what did they do? They tried to fix it. They got the leaves out there like, ooh, uh-uh, got my goodies out now because God can see I done sinned, I done messed up. And God says, like, what are you doing? Oh, you know, we was trying to hide because we out here naked. We out here sinning. We're sinful now. So, so what are you trying to do now? I'm trying to fix it. And God said, you can't fix it. You can't fix it. This remedy, this cure that you need is, cannot be fixed, cannot be solved with human hands. It's going to take an act of God. So that's why John 3.16 says what? That God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Because it took God. He says, now I'm going to send someone, right, to rescue you. Because you can't get there on your own. You can't work your way out of this. And that's what we like to do. If you're anything like me, sometimes, and, and, and I'm so glad, I think, I think, I look over like as, he, as, he's, as if he's here, as Pastor Mix, I love that 
he's always encouraged me to, to keep the faith and to trust God. Because what Nathan would do is that when I sin, when I fall short, I want to punish myself. I want to, oh, I can't tell nobody. I got to sit down. I got to. And God's like, and, and, and pastor has reminded me, is it based on your effort? Now you're, now you're saying because you messed up? So you know how insulting that is to the work of Christ? I didn't see it like that. I'm like, well, Josh, I messed up, so I got to sit down. I can't, can't tell people about Jesus no more. I disqualify myself. No, 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 no. God, God has finished the work. It says it is finished. So therefore, it's not based on you. Actually, we need you to mess up. Right? But, but not intentionally. Right? The grace catches you, so when you do make that mistake, when you do fall, when you do fall short of God's glory, he catches you, right, and places you back up, but it's by faith, because your faith is in Christ, not in your work. So you're not focusing on what you're doing, you're focusing on what he did. So I'm so glad when Pastor reminds me, no, 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 don't do that. Don't focus on you. Focus on Jesus. Focus on that work. Because that's what's going to rectify this situation. That's what's going to bring about healing in the situation. Not you trying to fix it. Because only God knows how to punish. Think about this. Only God knows how to punish. I'll never forget, I was reading the commentary, it says that only God should have that punishment. Why? Because only God knows how to punish for the right reason, for the right length, and to the right degree. Only God. Anybody else, we're going to mess it up. Like, okay, I'm mad at you. I'm not talking to you. For how long? I don't know. So either we'll go too, we'll go too far, or we don't do, or we're not far enough, right? We don't, we don't know. Only God knows how to deal with us, right? I'm so glad that God knows how to deal with us, His children. I remember as a young person, I, you know, I got a couple spankings. Now I'm gonna say they was whoopings. I'm not gonna say spankings. They was whoopings. This is before you could, you know, CPS, all that stuff, Lord. <laughs> oh, having flashbacks. But when I would have these whoopings, I would, I would, after, I'd be like, it didn't even take all that. <laughs> my dad could just act like, I would cry to the sound of my dad's voice. Nathan, I'm like, we need to talk. Oh, start crying. Like, what you crying for? I don't know. I think I... But the point I'm making is that that punishment, in my eyes, and even because one time he apologized, like, he whipped me and apologized. I'm like, you can't just take a whooping back. <laughs> like, you gonna give me the belt now? Let me try. You can't just come in there, oh, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to. You know, I got whipped, it was an accident. Like, my mother forgot to tell my dad where I was. Like, I got whipped on accident. So after I got the whipping, he leave his house without telling somebody. So I'm down the street, my friend's house, come home, get a whipping. My mom come home, oh, I forgot to tell He did tell me he was going. We didn't have cell phones back then, right? I couldn't, my mom had a beeper, but by the time she got down from bingo, it was too late, like. So she came home and told my dad, oh yeah, he did tell me he was gonna be down there. So I got a whipping for nothing, right? This, this is, I got this whipping, it doesn't, so what I'm saying is that punishment, right? It wasn't justified, why? Because we're human. We make mistakes, but only God knows how to, how to deal with us. So we shouldn't be trying to, what we try to do is punish ourselves. We try to fix the situation. Oh, I lied, so now I need to make it right. Now, yes, you do apologize. You do correct the wrong, but you don't go out trying to constantly fix it. You can't. Yeah. 
That's no way to live. And I'm so glad that God is reminding me that, Nathan, I have not called you to try to fix your sin problem. It's predicated on me and my work. So I was like, yes, I, I lied. Yes, I, I've stolen. Yes, I've had premarital sex. Yes, I've done these different things. I forgive you. Why? Because of what I did on Calvary. See, the Jews had missed it. Like, now i got to just, what, i got to make some more sacrifices. I have to do these different things. No, Jesus fixes it. Jesus fixes it. I was quickly reminded that God must be the fuel, must be the gas, the power that changes man. Even today, if, it, if God doesn't come, tug at your heart, right? This is how this faith works. This is what I want to I share with you all. And we're coming almost to the end. If God doesn't come in to your heart right now while I'm speaking, if God doesn't move, you won't be moved. It's not about me. So some of y'all are like, he ain't preaching. No, you're not praying. <laughs> See, I come into church asking and praying and pleading, God, send me a word. Speak to me today. I need you. That's how I come into worship. I'm looking for a word. I'm looking for a blessing. I'm looking. But some people come in. I'm waiting for the preacher to start preaching. He ain't saying nothing. I don't know what he's talking about. Because you're not praying. You haven't hit that what? That faith button. Lord, speak. Speak to me. Speak to me through this pastor. Speak to me through this pastor. I don't even know him, but just give me a word that is helpful to me. Use, and then God, what? He moves because he's activated by faith. Oh, they done said, they done said the right thing. They want me to come into their life. God is moved by faith. He doesn't need us to be all spectacular and fancy and all these different things. I'm so glad. God could get a donkey to talk. Right? If he really wanted to, if it was really about all this other stuff, God here, just I can have a, a donkey talk and amaze us. Is this donkey really talking? But God chooses us. Going back to what I said earlier. See, this is why we should be amazed at our salvation. This is why we should be amazed to be a part of the body. Because God has chosen you. God has chosen you. Why? Because you've had faith. You're putting your faith and trust in Christ. So when you sing, you're singing to the Lord because why? He chose you. He saved you. Saved you from what? From hell. From yourself. Right? From, from some of the mistakes you were going to make. Some of you right now can look back over this past year and say, I'm so glad I didn't do what I wanted to do. I prayed. Now some doors God had to come in and shut. God was like, no. Because some of y'all hard-headed. He's talking to me. I'm, I'm hard-headed sometimes. Because I want to do what I want to do. God like, no, Nathan. You know what? I'm going to just light this on fire. You ain't going to. Okay, now I see. Now I see you don't want me to have that hope. Okay, God. Sometimes that's how God has to deal with us. Because he knows he loves us that much. I remember Poku had told me, you have to pray that God puts up not just fences around your sin, but stone walls. Because sometimes what we do is we like to throw our sin away, but then we'll go pick it up out the trash. There's a proverb that says, as a man returns to his folly, right? As a dog returns to, to vomit, so a man to his folly. Think about that visual. As a dog returns to his vomit, so a man to his folly. Our folly, our sin, our issues is like eating, come on. This is what can happen, right? We throw our sin away and then because we're flawed and because we're sinful, we want to go pick it up. 
So sometimes we have to say, Lord, I'm, this is again, this is where Jesus comes in. I'm not strong enough to stop myself from chasing that sin. So I need you, Lord, to come in and kill that desire. Destroy that. Because God gives us stability. He says, you know, it's up to you. But sometimes we need God. Like, God, please come in. I'm too weak. I need you. This is what the Jews didn't understand. It's about Christ. And God is so amazing that even if we look at this text, God is so amazing that he makes each and every one of us feel like his only child. I don't know about you, but sometimes I know. I see you, Catherine. I see you, Stephanie. I see you. But sometimes I feel like I'm God's only child. That's how amazing God is. Like it's all about me because he loves me because he, he pulled me out of the fire. He pulled me out of that situation. So as we come to a close, we see that as, as is written, see, I lay in Zion a stone that causes people to stumble and a rock that makes them fall. And the one who believes in him will never be put to shame. The one who believes in him the one who trusts, the one who has what? Faith in him. That uh, uh, assurance of things hoped for, even though the evidence is not seen. See, I understand that sometimes life gets hard. I get it. Sometimes you don't feel like singing. You don't feel like playing the piano. You don't feel like getting up and, and reading scripture. You don't feel like it. But I'm so glad that it's not about our feelings. And that God is able to move through surpass our feelings if we what have faith if we say Lord help me Lord help me every time I've prayed every time when it came down to it right when I'm I can't Nathan I can't Lord help me Lord do what you do right because it's not about me it's about you so we learned in the text today what that the Gentiles receive this, this, this righteousness because of their faith. And the Jews who were trying to do it by themselves, who were trying to do it by their acts, by their goodness, did not attain their righteousness. Right? It was also Jesus who told the Pharisees and the Sadducees, right, these religious, these law keepers. Remember what he told them? You were like whitewashed tombs. Clean on the outside, but full of dead on the inside. I don't want to be like that. Again, I want to skip past some more flowers. I was at my old church. I remember, you know, sometimes wearing earrings and wearing jeans. And, you know, some of these exterior things were, were frowned upon. And I'll never forget Pastor me. I showed up one day and Pastor said, take that tie Put your earrings back in. Be you. But I was so caught up on looking the part. And I was fooling so many people. Oh, that's a preacher right there. Look at the suit. Look at the shoes. That's a preacher. I was caught up in the wrong things. I was caught up in pastors and said, no, God wants this. Could, anybody can throw in a suit. Anybody can right. Anybody can fool man with the exterior, but God is looking at your heart. 
And it was there that this freedom was given to me. Right? To, to praise God. Whether I was in a suit or in shorts, God can be praised. All right? Imagine, just think about how we limit ourselves sometimes. And Christ has torn down that, right? Torn it down. Because he's like, you're focused on the wrong things. So put your faith in me. Because it's not about how much money you can give. It's not about how many people you can go out and help. It's about you putting your faith in me. That's the only thing that's going to justify you on Judgment Day. Is your hope, is your trust in Christ Jesus? Believe with this. It's 1 Corinthians. And there's this, these uh, passages that, was, that encouraged me. And I hope they encourage you. It says, brothers and sisters, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many of you were influential. Not many of you were of noble birth. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. God chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are. So that no one may boast before him. It is because of him that you are in Christ Jesus, who has become for us wisdom from God. That is our righteousness, holiness, redemption. Therefore, as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. So if we look at coming to a close, if we look at this passage, Jews focused on the law, Gentiles focused on faith, it says, focus on faith, we can boast in who? Boast in Christ. Yes. And you don't have to be of noble birth. You don't have to be influential. Right? You don't have to have all these things. You have to have faith. I'm so glad. You just have to have faith. Amen. And your faith will work out everything else. Let us bow. Father God, we come to you now just saying thank you. Lord, we thank you for your word, we thank you for Jesus Christ. We thank you for allowing us to be able to show up and be able to hear your holy word, to hear your promises, to hear your declarations, to hear your decrees. We say thank you, Lord, for your word, Father God, for your word saves us, your word purifies us, your word heals us. Lord, your word also encourages, Father God, when we get low, when we get down, when we get depressed, your word is there to comfort us, Father God. And for that, we say thank you. Lord, I ask that everyone under the sound of my voice, Father God, be blessed by this word, that they be blessed with this word that you have given, Father God. That this word go forth and do what you have called it to do, Father God. Lord, may I apply this word throughout my week. May our uh, brothers and sisters apply this word throughout this week to know that it's not by our merit, not by our faith, not by, I mean, not by our actions, Father God, but our faith in you, Lord. Help us to walk throughout this week being light, being salt, being who you called us to be. Flaws and all, Father God, because it's not predicated on us, but on your son, Jesus Christ. Lord, we lift up our pastor before you. We ask that you just continue to be with him, Father God, that you continue to comfort him, that you would continue to strengthen him, Father God, and touch our first lady, Lord, continue to be with her as she supports and helps our pastor along the way, Father God. 
We ask that you would just bring healing right now, that you would bring strength and joy and peace, Father God, in the midst of tragedy. Lord, because we know that you're able, Lord. Lord, we lift up Brother Cyrus and his family before you, Father God. And we lift up uh, Sister Tracy, Father God, and that you would bring healing to her body, Father God, that you would bring healing, Lord, to Sister Deacon Tracy, Lord, for we know that you are a God who cares for your children. So, Lord, we ask that you would touch everyone in the sound of my voice, Father God, as we come down from this place and we go into the world, Father God, give us what we need. Give us direction. Give us counsel. And, Lord, give us the love that we need to be able to love on this dark world. Give us the light that we need to shine in this dark world, Father God. We thank you, and we'll be sure to give you all the credit and all the honor. It is in the mighty name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. 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 Amen.